0: Good morning Kavanaugh and welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's offer our praise.
1: You guys can be seated for about 15 seconds. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. It's so great to have you here. If you're a guest, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're so thankful to have you. Uh, those online, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, happy Palm Sunday. It is a good week. We start this, the celebration of, of one of my favorite weeks. In the entire year, not because I've been looking forward to eat an insurmountable amount of Reese's peanut butter eggs, (laughs) which is my favorite candy, all right? Uh, It it really is, and I eat those a lot during this week, but we get to celebrate about what Jesus did. I'm so thankful for the redemption that he has provided us, and it is an awesome time for us as Christians, as, as a church family, to be able to come here and celebrate his love for us. So I'm excited. I know God has an incredible service for us today as we kick off Passion Week. so I'm going to invite you all to stand and we're going to ask God to bless our services this morning. Let's pray. Lord, you're good and today we come into your presence uh, ready to hear from you God. We lift up all of our pr- all of our praise and all of our worship and, and to give you as much glory as possible God. We're so thankful for all that you are and who you are to us. You are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our Sanctifier, you are our King, you are our Redeemer. You mean so much to us. And for each and every single one of us, there's something extra special uh, in the way that you've connected with us and you've saved us. And it, it's personal, God, and we love that. But then collectively as a group, God, we're your kids and we are so excited to celebrate and worship in one accord today. As we hear the word spoken, as we hear it preached by Brother Will today, Lord, just touch our hearts, open our hearts. And help us to be the people that you want us to be. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to praise.
0: verses 14 says you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father which is in heaven So Let me just encourage you this morning to let your light shine. Be the light that God has called us to be. You can say to the darkness, you don't own me anymore. I belong to God. Lord, I will proclaim of your goodness that you are faithful, that you are always near. Lord, we want to lift our praise to you. Help us turn our eyes heavenward and not look at all that we have on this life that stress and cause anguish and pain, but help us to focus our attention on the goodness and the faithfulness of our everlasting Father. God, we come to you this morning in the most pure praise that we can offer. Lord, hear our praise. Hear our prayers. We love you. Only you, God. You are good. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: team, a big hand, would you, man? They did a great job. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship today. God is in this place, and I believe God has a word for us today. Uh, it is Palm Sunday, and I had planned to preach a Palm Sunday sermon, but uh, God's given us a different passage for this morning that I believe uh, is where we are and it's what we need. heard a story about a couple who uh, years ago gave birth to a son, they had a really hard time choosing a name for their new baby boy. And they really struggled with it. The baby had already been born. They were in the, the hospital room. The doctor was in there with the birth certificate. They needed to get that thing signed and the name on it. And they couldn't decide on a name. And finally, they, they just decided together that they were going to give this kid the name Odd. And So that's what they named him, O-D-D, Odd. Well, the doctor had to walk out of the room into the hallway because he busted a gut and had to laugh, you know? The nurses admitted they had a hard time taking care of that little baby because all they could do is snicker and and giggle about his name. When Odd began going to school, all of his classmates teased him because of his name. It was the same in junior high and even in high school. In college, Odd was always having to explain why his name was, well, Odd, (laughs) He was the butt of jokes. He was the source of ridicule. Somehow, as time went on, he managed to get married and establish a career. But the curse of his name followed him all of his life. And finally, as an old man, he had all of it he could take. And he told his wife that he wanted no more of it. He said, my name has been a torment to me my entire life. I'm so tired of it that I can't take it anymore. I want you to promise me that when I am dead, you will put on the gravestone my date of birth and my date of death, but not my name. I at least want to be free from the curse of my name in my death. Just put the date of my birth and the date of my death and nothing more on the tombstone. You got it? She said, yes, sir, I got it. Well, not long after that, Odd did pass away, and his wife honored his request. On his gravestone, she had his name, and his date. he didn't have his name, just had his date of birth and his date of death. And, and now, at that cemetery, when people walk by his grave and they look at that tombstone, they say, isn't that Odd? Snicker, snicker, laugh, laugh, bad joke, right? Reason I told you that is because I think everybody in this room is a little odd, aren't we? Because be be honest, we're all a little bit odd. My wife has told me before, Will, I think everybody in the world is odd except you and me, and sometimes I wonder about you. (laughs) See, every single one of us has this uh, strange combination of both strengths and weaknesses. We have this strange combination of both good and bad points. And you know what? We struggle with this when it comes to dealing with real life. For example, we, we say we believe a certain thing. We say we believe certain truths about the Word of God. But when the pressure is put on and push comes to serve, to push comes to shove, thank you. We don't behave that way. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let me, let me just ask you, how many of you deeply believe what the Bible says about the peace of God that passes all understanding? Do you believe that's true? How many of you believe that Jesus meant what he said in John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled? You believe in God, believe also in me. How, how many of you truly believe Romans chapter 8, verse 28? That all things work together for the good of those who love God. And those are the called according to his purpose. Yet, how is it that so many of us struggle with anxiety? And when the pressure of life is turned on, it it almost literally strangles us. It's a universal problem. For most of us listening to me today from time to time... Under the constant load of life, don't always act like we say we believe. I don't know about you, but I've been there this week. And and I find a great consolation in the book of 2 Corinthians, this passage that we've been studying, pressure to praise, because here in this book, Paul admits that the same thing was true to him. How odd, how odd that the man who could write Philippians chapter 4 about the peace of God and the same man who could write Romans chapter 8 about the providence of God could write 2 Corinthians chapter 7 about his own fears and phobias in life. So today what I'd like to do in just a short matter of time is is show you a magnificent passage of Scripture in our ongoing study in the book of 2 Corinthians. This is a short passage, but boy, does it speak to this church today. And my sermon is simply entitled, The Power of an Encouraging Church. Notice what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. Then we came into Macedonia. This, This body of ours had no rest. We were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort that you had given to him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me. So that my joy was greater than ever. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would feel that comfort and that joy and that we would experience your encouragement today. For Lord, we need it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Three great truths from these three verses. The first is this. Encouragement is one of our greatest needs. Or let me say it like this, we need comfort and we need encouragement. Why? Because of what Paul has already said in verse number 5. We have conflicts on the outside and there are fears on the inside. Notice how he started this segment of scripture in verse 5. He said, when we came into Macedonia, and really this is the second time in this letter that Paul references the problems that he had in this particular region. Back in chapter 2, as a reminder, look at what he said. This is in verses 12 and 13. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, here's the phrase, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them, and and I went on, he said, to Macedonia. You see, Paul had sent Titus, his troubleshooter, to the church at Corinth to try to resolve some problems that were there. Corinth was Paul's premier church in Europe, one that he had spent months trying to establish, and, and now it was in grave danger. There were divisions in the church. There were false prophets who were emerging, teaching false doctrines. There was opposition to Paul in that church. And so he had sent Titus there to try to manage the situation, but he himself was apparently so worried about what was going on in Corinth that he couldn't even preach the good news while he was in Troas. The literal phrase here from that segment, I had no peace of mind, literally it means my spirit had no relaxing. Paul couldn't relax. The Phillips translation says, I was on edge the whole time. Now, guys, that's a terrible way to live life, isn't it? Being on edge, that's the way I feel when anxiety gets into my system. My nerves are like they're on the edge. I've been that way this week. How about you? It was Winston Churchill who once said that worry is an emotional spasm that occurs when the mind catches hold of something and just won't let it go (laughs) well not even the great Apostle Paul was immune to this and here in Troas Paul became so upset and so worried that he couldn't even preach and so he left Troas and went to Macedonia and according to our text today in chapter 7 things got worse we just read this in verse 5 he said when we came into Macedonia This body of ours had no rest. My body had no rest. He's using the same word in chapter 7 that he used in chapter 2. In chapter 2 he said, my mind could not relax. In chapter 7 he's saying, my body could not relax. This was so troubling to him that he was troubled in his mind and his body. He found no point of relaxation any way you cut it. In mind or body and he continued we were harassed on every side he said every time we turned the devil showed up no matter what we said or did the devil was there to throw a wrench into what we were doing the greek word for harassed means afflicted pressured pressed the object of hardship Paul faced some very hard things in Macedonia. And then we have this very descriptive phrase at the end of verse 5. He said, conflicts were on the outside and fears were on the inside. Do you see how this is building in his mind and in his life? He had so much anxiety and worry that his mind would not relax, his body would not relax because of the conflict that was happening outside of him and the fear that it caused on the inside. Wow. Hmm. Lord have mercy. The Greek word that he used for fears there is the word from which we get our English word, phobia. And you're probably wondering, well, you know, these biblical characters, they never had anything like... I deal with in their life you want to bet in in other words of what paul is saying here is this paul's life was was really falling apart in front of him he 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 couldn't he couldn't spend one moment without without feeling the stress and the pressure of life it was bothering him so much he could not do what he was called to do and that's preach he couldn't even lay down and relax it was all-consuming. You know what Paul needed? He needed encouragement, just like you and I needed. Guys, we live in a world in which encouragement is one of the greatest needs that we have. I have recently been very concerned in this matter with our children and our teenagers and our prime timers. Let me break it down like this. I have recently been concerned for our young people because more than anything, our young people need encouragement. And they lack it. Our children need to be encouraged in whatever it is they are doing. These kids are afraid of being inadequate. They are afraid of failing. They are afraid of letting other people down, of being made fun of. And can I tell you, there is no power on this earth like someone coming alongside of a kid or a teenager and simply encouraging them. Amen. Someone once said, more people fail for lack of encouragement than for any other single thing. Our kids need to be encouraged. Our teenagers need to be encouraged. But you know what? Our prime timers need encouragement. You say, Will, why would you say that? Well, let me tell you. We we have been living in isolation for over a year now. COVID is killing us. And I'm not just talking about a physical death. I'm talking about the after effects of you being isolated and shut up for so long. And the group of people that that affects the most are our prime timers. Maybe not necessarily our young people because we live in a social media age or they do, put it that way. I'm excluding myself from this. They live in an age of social media. They can connect with people in social media. But you know what? Our prom timers, they didn't grow up that way. They grew up with face-to-face interaction with other people. And if you grew up in church, let me tell you something that you have been missing for the past year, and that is the fellowship of the saints. There, There is a biblical term to describe what I'm talking about, the Greek word is koinonia. It means authentic Christian fellowship. Something that you can't get watching a church service online. You have to get it inside the building when you're face to face with other believers. Yeah. Now, let me say I am so thankful that we have the ability to go online online. I am so thankful those of you who are watching or watching online. Did you know that this has expanded the ministry of Kavanaugh Church? Yes, a lot of bad things have happened in COVID, but one of the good things is we have really ramped it up in our online media and service to people. Right now, there are people in California watching our church service. There are people all over the country. I've I've got cowboy friends who, when I go to any shoot, they'll say to me, Holy smoke, really enjoy watching you preach on Sundays. (laughs) I say, well, thanks. There are people literally on the other side of the world. I have had contacts with people from France and Europe who watch us on a regular basis. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord for that. You know, I've always wanted a church of over 1,000 people. Well, our views are over 1,000 every week. It's not the way I envisioned it, but you know what? We're reaching a lot of people, and that is great. We're not going to shut this down even after COVID. We're going to keep going full blast online. But let me tell you, whenever this is over, and hopefully at the end of this week, our governor is going to open up the state more. Thankful for that. And when that happens and you feel comfortable, let me tell you something, friend. You need to be back in this room with brothers and sisters of the faith. Why? Because we get something here you can't get anywhere else in this world. It's the fellowship and the encouragement that comes in the body of Christ. Even the Apostle Paul needed this. He faced conflicts on the outside and fears within. Even he needed encouragement. But here's the important thing. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 doesn't end with verse 5. The good news is that this passage goes on and we have verse 6 which begins with this wonderful little phrase, but God. Amen. My second point is this from verse 6. Encouragement is one of God's greatest provisions. One of God's greatest gifts. Let me read verses 5 and 6 to you. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God. Everybody say that with me on three. One, two, three. But God. But God. We have a great divine cheerleader. He is the God not only of the universe, but he is the God of all encouragement. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but those two words, but God, make up one of the greatest little phrases that is found in our Bible, and it occurs in some of our favorite passages. As you read through these different biblical passages, you have the record of something terrible that has happened. Something depressing has occurred. There is a great problem. There was a heartache. But God intervened. But God had an answer. But God stepped into the picture. But God had a promise. But God came. And he makes all the difference in the world. Let me remind you of a few of these stories. Remember Joseph? This is what he told his brothers in Egypt. You meant it for evil. He intended it for good. (laughs) Man, the psalmist said, My flesh and my heart may fail. It's the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. Peter said, You put Jesus to death, nailing him to the cross. Raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Romans chapter 5 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die, demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Our biggest problem is that we are prone to reverse this clause. We suffer from reverse clause syndrome. We say, God is great but I've got this terrible problem. We say, God is good, but I've got troubles. Dude, what you need to do is just reverse that clause and say, man, I know I've got this terrible problem, but my God is great, and he can handle it. Oh, I've got troubles, but God is good, (laughs) and he'll come through. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did here. He said, for when we came into Macedonia, our body had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. But God, but God. And then he went on to describe God in this way, and this is so intriguing to me. He says, but God who comforts the downcast. And I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible. God comforts the downcast. The word downcast presents the picture of someone who is coming alongside of you when you need encouragement and giving you that encouragement. They're counseling you. They're comforting you. They're instructing you. They're assisting you. They're giving you advice. And let me tell you something, folks. We're all occasionally downcast. Come on. 2 Corinthians 7, 6 says that God comforts the downcast. Did you walk in here downcast today? I did. If you did, congratulations because you qualify for God's comfort. Question is, exactly how does God do all this how, how does God draw near to us how does God comfort us how, how does God encourage us and in church I could I could answer that in a variety of ways for example I could say to you that God comforts us sometimes through promises in his word you agree with that I can't tell you the times in which I've been weary and worn and worried and and just wringing my hands because I need an answer to the problems I'm facing. And and I'll go to the Word of God and I'll read a passage of Scripture and bang, there it is. And even though I've read this verse a hundred times before, today it leaps off the pages towards me. It speaks to me as a person speaks because it is the living, powerful Word of God. I'm thankful for the promises of God. I could say that God sometimes comforts us when we worship Him. I know that to be true. I kind of got myself in trouble first service. I talked about sometimes I, I come in here and I, I really don't want to be in here. It doesn't happen often, but let me tell you, there have been a few Wednesday nights and occasionally on a Sunday morning that I've come in here and I, I, I really didn't, I really honestly, and I'm being honest when I say this, I really didn't want to see you. Conflicts on the outside. Fears on the inside. And I can relate to Paul. Sometimes I come in here and, man, it doesn't happen often. Maybe once ever blue moon. But there have been times I've come in, I didn't even want to preach. Conflicts on the outside. Fears on the inside. But then I get right over here. And this old band cranks it up. And they start singing praise to God. And the Spirit of God fills this place. And I can't keep my hand down because I'm worshiping the living God. And I'm taking my eyes off of myself and my problems. And I'm putting my eyes on the God who created this universe. And on the God who has the answers to the problems that I'm facing. And it changes everything. And then I'm ready to preach to you, and I want to see you, and I want to be with you. I could say that that God sometimes comforts us through answered prayer. Have you been there? You've been praying about something for days and weeks and months, and all of a sudden God answers that prayer in a miraculous way. Boy, that comforts us. I, I could say that God encourages us through the workings of his providence Maybe you've spent all of your check and there's nothing left in the bank and you got bills to pay and and food to buy and you go out to the mailbox and there it is, an unexpected check in the mail for you that meets the exact need that you had. What an encouragement. I could say that God encourages me through His presence and He does through the Holy Spirit. I mean, guys, there are many, many ways of God coming alongside of us and encouraging us. But but here's the kicker. In this passage, he did not come alongside Paul and encourage him with a verse of Scripture. He did not come alongside Paul and encourage him with a hymn of worship. He did not come alongside Paul and encourage him with a twist of providence. No, he came alongside the apostle Paul and encouraged him through a fellow believer through the arrival of Titus. And and, and this is striking to me. Look look at verses 5 and 6 again. For, For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God imparted his comfort through another human being who showed up at just the right moment with encouraging words. Titus and Paul had finally caught up with one another. And Titus had good news. And Paul was relieved and comforted. And he said that God comforted the downcast through the human agent of another believer. So, think of yourselves today as walking, breathing, fully commissioned, divine dispensers of God's encouragement. But there's one more word to this, and it's found in verse 7. Encouragement has a never-ending, pass-along quality. Look with me at verses 5 and 7 again. When we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. We were harassed, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. But God... Who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort that you, church at Corinth, had given to him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever before. Get that? Than ever before. Uh, The Corinthians had, despite all their problems, let me tell you, this was a church full of problems. They not only had problems, they had problem makers in that church. Somehow they had managed, however, to encourage Titus. And then Titus had passed that encouragement along to Paul. And Paul was so encouraged by their encouragement that he wrote it down in a book that we have today, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I can read it just like I read it this past week, and I can get encouraged. And I can take this word of truth that was given by the Corinthians 2,000 years ago to Titus who gave it to Paul, who gave it to me, and I can give it to you. Do you see the ripple effect that encouragement can have in the lives of people? And guys, we need to keep this ripple effect going until Jesus Christ comes back to get us because in this world we have troubles and problems of all kinds. Pressure builds up, and we need the encouragement that comes from God. He'll give it to you, but don't be stingy. Give it to somebody else. I want to close with a true story that uh, actually happened at the University of Wisconsin years ago. Uh, There was a group of, of young men... Who were very gifted and bright and brilliant. All of these young men wanted to be poets and novelists and essayists and authors. And and they were created, they creative and they were gifted with, with a ton of literary potential. And so what they decided to do is every week they would come together and they would read what they had written, whether it be a poem or or an article, or or whatever it was. They would read it, and then the rest of the group would come alongside of them and critique their writing to make them better writers. They they gave themselves the name, The Stranglers. The Stranglers. It, It was descriptive of the kind of criticism they gave each other. Because they weren't very nice with one another. Very critical. Very harsh. Very rude to one another. That's awful. I've never heard anything that bad. Are you kidding me? That kind of stuff. At the same time, there was a group of ladies who were also very brilliant. Same thing. They wanted to be essayists and poets and novelists. and So they decided to do the same thing. And they met together weekly to read what they had written. But they gave themselves a different name. They called themselves the Wranglers. And their mode of criticism was somewhat different. In fact, they weren't critical at all with each other. They were positive in their instructions. They were encouraging to one another. Sometimes they had nothing bad to say at all. They were just simply encouraging to each other. Twenty years later, an alumnus of the university was doing an exhaustive study on his classmates' careers when he noticed something very different In the literary accomplishments of these two groups. For all of their brilliance and how bright they were. These young men. Not a single one of the stranglers. Ever went on to be a professional writer. Not a single one. However out of the group of women who were wranglers. He found six. Who became well accomplished. Well known. Authors. It kind of brings me to the question, which group do you belong to? Are you a strangler, critical, hard, rude, mean, discouraging with your words? Or are you a wrangler, building people up and encouraging them? Because let me tell you something, we all need encouragement. And our God is the God of encouragement. And he uses us to encourage one another. And through the simple act of words of encouragement, we can have a ripple effect on the lives of literally hundreds of people. Wherefore, says the Bible, encourage one another with these words. have a very simple application to my message today. Be an encourager. That all begins when you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. He is the God of encouragement. And the only way you can dispense His encouragement and His comfort is to know Him personally in a one-on-one relationship. So know Jesus and let's encourage each other. We have had a tough week. There have been questions that have arisen that we will never have the answer to. And because we don't know the answer, we have speculations. And we assume things, and we conspire with these theories. But let me tell you what I told the church staff this week. Sometimes that speculation that you come up with in your own mind needs to stay in your own mind. You don't need to articulate what you think. What you need to do with your mouth is to encourage. Because there are a whole lot of people who are hurting right now. Not just this church. There's a church in Ada, Oklahoma that's hurting today. And not just church people we have family members that we are called to minister to and they need to be encouraged with a good word from God so no matter what you think or theorize or have in your head let it stay there what needs to come out of your mouth are words of love and support and comfort to Brittany to Zach to Anakin, to Ed and Diane. They are a part of this fellowship. We need to stand beside them and love them and encourage them. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Maybe you are here today and you're in need of encouragement yourself. Again, it all starts in a personal relationship with Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to invite Him into your heart this morning. Come talk to me after service. I'll help you with that. For the rest of you, I want you to know I love you. God loves you. And with the encouragement that God has given me through this most difficult week, I encourage you I say to you, stay strong, church. Walk tight and close with Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He will see you through. And I say to you, dear church, take the words of encouragement that we've been given today and share them with others who have no hope or with those who are struggling. Lord, help us to do that. Give us your grace and your mercy and your strength. Help us to be encouragers. Help us to dispense your comfort in megadosis to those who need it. And Lord, we lift up to you this precious family. Give them your grace, your mercy, your peace. Wrap your arms around them and let them know we stand beside them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks. You can be seated just for a moment. Couple of things, and then we're going to leave and go give some encouragement. All right, if you're a guest here today, uh, fill out one of the guest cards, or there's a, a QR uh, code right in front of you on the pew back, and you can connect digitally with that. Go to our connect counter after the service, and we've got a gift for you tonight at 6:30. We're going to have adult Bible study. Uh, Don Smith is going to be teaching the lesson. I sure do love Don and appreciate him. He's a great Bible teacher, so tune in at 6.30. 7 o'clock Wednesday, everybody be here, and everybody be in here in this room. We're going to celebrate Holy Communion, and we'll take together the Lord's Supper. You say, well, brother Will, how how are we going to do that even with COVID still going on? Don't worry, you're you're going to have your own sealed cup and wafer. Nobody else is going to touch it. It's right for you. You're the only... so it's okay. All right, but but come and we're going to celebrate that together. It's seven o'clock on Wednesday night. Next Sunday's biggest day of the year. Right before I talk about that, I want you to watch this little video we have for you. Hey, Cavanaugh Church family and friends, welcome back. I want to continue our preview of our new building and the construction that's going on. We're on the west side of the entrance, so if you park out here on the west side, you would be coming through these doors. And of course, everybody's going to stop right here at the brand new Cavanaugh Coffee Center and get their coffee. Look, mine's right here waiting on me, so let's take a tour. Once you pick up your coffee, you can visit with each other in our massive lobby, and then we'll go into our new worship center. There are two doors that uh, enter into the worship area. And once we walk in here, it's gonna be an awesome room that we have to be able to worship God and come together in praise to Him. Here's one thing I want you to know about this big, massive room. There's not a bad seat in the house. Anywhere you sit, you're going to be able to see and hear and worship God together. Uh, Let me take you on a little tour through here. I wanna show you the back rooms. Our new sound booth is going to be state-of-the-art equipment that we're going to be able to uh, see and hear the good news of the gospel. Big stage area, and I can't wait to talk to you about the stage that we have and the projection system that we're going to have to be able to see. There's going to be a small storage room right here at the worship center, and then we go through this hallway these are stage steps leading up onto the stage in this room we have what is called the green room it's going to be the place that our musicians go and uh, get ready to come out and lead us in worship we have a restroom back here this is the uh, room for all the audio and uh, visual equipment that's going to be stacked in here We're also gonna be able to use this room as our church expands and gets bigger and we go on TV. That's where they're gonna be doing all that stuff right in here. We go through this door and uh, have a huge electric room. The power company is is bringing new power so that we can uh, amp up and and have all these great things for you to both see and hear. Uh, This is just a massive storage area in the back and here's the cool thing I want you to see is a handicap ramp that leads up on our stage. Let's take it, okay? Let's just go up this handicap ramp. There's a big deck here. Not only can wheelchairs have access, but we also can take scissor lifts up here and have them on the stage for stage design. Again, big, huge open area for storage. Let's go out on the stage and look at it from this perspective. This stage is huge. It's uh, 22 feet deep and 73 feet long. There's, there is there is as much square footage on this stage as there was in the sanctuary of the first church that I pastored. So that's how big this stage is. Uh, again, state of the art. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, audio and visual up here that's just going to be amazing. A couple of cool things that you, you, I want you to know that, that are up here. We have trap doors, so uh, I guess if I'm preaching bad or whatever, they'll just push me down into the trap door and I'll disappear. This is where I'm going to be standing to preach every Sunday in this area. And I look across here and I can only imagine the hundreds of people who are going to be able to hear the good news of the gospel because we are taking a step in doing our part in reaching the River Valley with the good news of Jesus Christ. Come next Sunday on April the 4th, we're going to worship Jesus in the power of the resurrection and also relaunch It's Our Turn. Can't wait for that, Kavanaugh. We'll see you then. Good deal. How about a hand, man? How about a hand? As I watch that, a couple of observations. Isn't it great to just watch the back of my head as I walk around in it? It was pretty cool. And did you ever see me take a sip of coffee? There was coffee in that cup. I just I didn't didn't drink it. Next week is going to be a great Sunday. It is the biggest day of the church year when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. We're going to plug into that power as we relaunch. It's our turn. Don't miss it. Come next Sunday. Get here early. Plan to stay late. Uh, The gym is going to be open. We're going to have those great cookies that we have on Easter and Christmas, individually wrapped, so you don't have to worry about contamination there, COVID stuff. You just uh, pick up a a wrapped cookie, and we'll have drinks. We're also going to have the photo booth back there, Easter photo booth, so you can snap family portraits and live animals. What did you tell me they were? Porcupines, turtles, Turtles. (laughs) Baby (laughs) baby gators. No, we're going to have little baby Easter animals, real ones, live ones, ones that make mess on the floor. Those are going to be back there for you and your kids to uh, to take pictures with, and it's just going to be an outstanding day. Our new building is going to be open next Sunday so that you can walk through if you'd like to and see all the cool things that are happening. Can't wait for next Sunday. It's going to be a glorious day, a great day as we celebrate the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I say it every Sunday, but I mean it more today than I've ever meant it before. You're loved. Your staff loves you. I love you. Most importantly, God loves you. Go share that love with somebody who needs it today. You're dismissed.